Well, good morning, church family. Hi. So, uh, I don't like sitting this far away from you. That's gonna. Um, so. Lights are a lot brighter up here. They are brighter. Did you get your microphone? You're gonna have to. There you. Go. Is it on? So, uh, if you're, it's just so good, church, to, I just keep saying this every week, but to hear all the voices singing together, um, it's a, it is a beautiful thing. It's a unique thing about being together to worship as a family. Um, as we continue on in our series here, uh, our basic series about making disciples, um, today we're talking about like how the kingdom of God works, the methods um, of the kingdom. And so uh, this morning, uh, I thought it would be great for you to hear from someone that you probably see a lot, but maybe you don't know a ton about. This is my wife, Lauren. Uh, Hi, Lauren. Yes. Um, So uh, Lauren is actually, so you know that we have planted a church in Colorado. And just so your your quick background here is um, the story of our church plant in Colorado really actually goes through Lauren. Um, while I was thinking about strategizing of how to start a church and what a church should look like and, and the things that we're supposed to do and all that, Lauren um, was busy uh, loving people and building relationships and just serving people. And what I didn't know at the time was that was going to be um, what, what actually was the spark and the catalyst for our church. And, and my favorite story as the intro is, is that... Um, when we first got there, there was a community bulletin board. And at the community bulletin board, there was um, a, we were trying to figure out how do we connect with people? How do we reach people? And on the community bulletin board, there was a notice from a mom who said, I, I want to start a mom's group. Um, if, you, if you would um, want to join this, like, here's, here's my number. Like, give, give me a call. And I looked at that, and Lauren and I both saw it, and, and I, I said, that's, oh, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Like, that's a great idea. We should start a mom's group. And Lauren said, no, I'm, I think I'm just going to call her and I'll just join her group. And as a church planter, I thought, no, no, no. The best way to do this is for us to start one. Like, we need to be in control of this. We need to, we need to determine it. We need to, like, set the pattern. Like, you don't even know if this person's a believer. Like, we need to make sure that we are in control. So it's a great idea. Love the idea, but we need to start it. And, and Lauren responded, no, I, I think I'm supposed to call her. I think I'm supposed to join her. Lauren, I, that's so sweet. I get your heart in this. But really, I think we need to start our own. Um, and, and then Lauren finally looked at me and she said, if, well, if you want to start a mom's group, you can. <laughs> but I'm calling this woman and joining hers. And she did. And that, that mom's group uh, grew to, I think, like 100 moms. It was beyond what we could have imagined. And through it, all the connections that first came to Christ through our church all came um, through those connections. And so at that point, I realized, like, okay, my wife is hearing from God, and um, she is still to this day the, the best missionary that I know, the most intuitive missionary that I know. So that's a big introduction for you, but um, I want to make sure that we... I think our job here is done, right? Yeah, that's it. Done. Um, so, all right, so why don't you share with the nice people a little bit what leads up to that? leads up to that? Well, like just your, like your background and... Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, Just, I don't know. So people maybe have a better idea of who I am. I was raised, um, I lovingly refer to it as universe, or Catholic flavored universalist, that like I was raised in a Catholic home, but definitely the belief that like, oh, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere and just find a path. And so that was my upbringing um, and definitely... Um, I was very into the, the rules. I could follow rules and stuff like that, but it wasn't until high school and college that I really learned about uh, an intimate relationship offered, like that God really stirs in our hearts. And, um, and that was the time that I really laid down my life and said, it's yours, God, and I, I want to know you. And, and experiencing more of those places where he speaks to you and thinking, like, I, I want more of that. Um, through the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I feel like we're not. That's good. Okay. No, so then, okay. yeah. So why don't you, so that time back in Colorado and then in other times, like what have you learned in that since pursuing Christ about what does it mean to participate in his kingdom and to watch and to watch him work and your, your place in that? Well, I think a couple things. One is 
You know, we are each wired uniquely and differently, and we're each set in the specific place where God has us, and nobody else is in that particular spot. And so we we each have a unique opportunity, and then it's just an opportunity. Uh, what do we do with that opportunity where God brings things into our lives and we get to say yes or we get to say no um and i don't know i feel like i'm terrible at this <laughs> that's why you give me here. another leading question um, yeah no well you were mentioning about the story like so like when so much of our ministry in colorado was hospitality centered and serving and just being available and one thing i've always appreciated about you is how you are available and you're able to see kingdom opportunities where I don't a lot of times where I think like oh this is this is a waste of time or I don't know why we're doing this or whatever but you are able to see God working in the midst of that and that's not come through all successes like there have been failures and successes totally. as you've learned that yeah I mean and I think you know both if the we have to invite people in or like ask God to give us eyes to see who he is, um, who he's moving in and who he's asking us to, to invest in, um, wherever we are. And, and it's so much easier if we, um, are doing that in the rhythms and the places where we are already working or living or, um, you know, commuting to or whatever. And, you know, you were saying about, I, I think back to, um, you know, it's messy, right? I mean, we, we do a lot of things and we fall on our faces. And something that sticks out at me in history is there was a time where we'd gone to a block party and I connected really well with this gal and she was so fun and cool. And, um, but it was like a fun little block party. And then the next morning, um, she actually knocks at my door and was like, hey, we thought it would be really fun to play. And I um, was completely caught off guard. My house was a mess. I was in pajamas. Um, I, and I was so preoccupied with my circumstances and my surroundings that I actually turned her down. Like here she is literally knocking at my door to connect more and and I turned it down just because I couldn't get over this obstacle of feeling like my life was a mess. And um, and thankfully, I mean, God, God's sovereign over her life, and he worked that she's connected to a church, and she loves Jesus, but I didn't get to play a single part in that or, or didn't get to play a part that I, I would have—I mean, it, God would have grown me so much in saying yes— because I would have gotten to see this at work. And because I said, no, like he, he still loves her, you know, more than I ever could and worked in her life, but I missed out. So how do you do that now? Like if people are wondering, cause a lot of times we talk about these big things and there are these really big things, but it often starts small. Like how do you right now think through like your day um, as you move from thing to thing with eyes to, to see if, if God is working so that you get to participate and to make yourself available to that? Well, I definitely, um, I'm much more mindful now just every day praying. I mean, I think obviously that's the most important thing we can do because we, we need to be listening to God and, and leaning into him and loving and knowing him if we have anything to offer to anyone else. And um, so I think, you know, I, I try to be very intentional now about just praying, going into every circumstance, you know, whether it's like while I'm in the car driving up to the grocery store and just using that as an opportunity to ask God to give me eyes to see maybe who am I supposed to interact with. Or um, I think, too, it really impacted me just, I don't know if you heard the sermon last week, but the analogy of the, the family reunion and you comparing church to, like, if, if somebody talked about their family reunion, you'd think, oh, that's great, but you wouldn't ask and think that you were invited into that family reunion. And I thought that was a really 
good illustration of just thinking like, how are the places where I um, want to make sure that people know that there is always a spot at the table and that there's, there's room for everyone and it's, that's not up to me to determine who gets to sit at the table and who doesn't. I just want to be able to prepare a place for that. And um, so, um, I don't know, just simple things like thinking about how can I share whatever I have. Um, and so, you know, we in the summers are really, really busy going to the ball games and I can kind of get down on myself and feel badly that I'm not, you know, being more intentional about having people over and scheduling more like meetings or whatever with, with other people. But um, what I can do is I can pack a cooler bag full of extra snacks and and then whatever parents are at the the game with us who we can see that as an opportunity to build a relationship and connect then it's a lot easier a lot of times over food or you know sharing guacamole at the ball fields so I don't know I guess just simple things like that which that's a real thing by the way Lauren for a long time would just bring chips and homemade guacamole to the to the ball game and if it wasn't that formal it was like quick growth, whatever, you know, half-eaten block of cheese and, like, apples, and, you know, maybe sometimes you got guacamole, but, like, don't, don't think that this was, That's like, true. A, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was much more organic than that, so, just so don't make whatever. it sound like um, yeah, guacamole it, Wednesdays. Well, it is, you know, everybody likes guacamole, at least all sanctified people do, so I think, like, <laughs> is that a hint? This is my Where's wife. My no, sit down. Are you kidding me? It's this so one thing to do that to me during a sermon, but like, oh man. I'd like to thank the Academy. And we're just gonna leave. Holy cow. So great. Okay. Yeah, well, when we say we're not professional, this is what we mean. Like, we're just a little more organic. So, um, which, speaking of which, Lauren got notified of this like 10 minutes before the service. So, yeah, this is so part sorry. of the organic. I'm so sorry. I'm a late ad. So, so please um, be gracious with me. Um, but I think the, the last thing I want to know, because about that, when you're talking about the ball fields and, and just bringing food and just, that's the kind of stuff that I think seems normal to you, but I think for a lot of us, it's not. And I think um, just, just all the things that I see you doing um, of, of like, okay, well, I have some food. I'm not just going to bring snacks for my kids. I'm going to bring some to share. I'm going to go um, and run these errands, but I'm going to build in extra time knowing that I'm, I'm going to be available in case I go into the store and... Um, and go into the store, and, and there's somebody there that needs um, to connect. And I just, I just don't know anybody that makes better um, use of those everyday things than you. And so what encouragement would you give to people who just maybe are struggling to see um, the, the routine of their daily life, They're struggling, struggling to see that as something potentially sacred and something valuable in the kingdom? Well... I think, you know, we don't, we don't know who is going to be a, a current or future brother or sister in Christ. And so I think, you know, seeing everybody as, as a potential of that and so just seeing and loving people well. Um, I don't really remember that question. You said just struggling in your daily life. Um, I think... Go in, some, go like, in with the expectation yeah. that like you may not see the evidence of, of what you are doing all the time, and you may be disappointed, and you, you may not even it may not even be the person that you are thinking or is on your radar. But I think that when we hear those nudges, even if it feels crazy, even if it feels like maybe it was the bad guacamole, I think I would say lean into what, if, if you feel like God is asking you to step out, and even if you look foolish, um, you get to be a fool for the gospel, and, and he's, he's so good and sovereign over that, that you know, what does it matter about, like, our, how good we look or how cool we look or our reputation, but, like, if, if we are doing something out of 
the idea that we feel like God is asking us to step out in obedience and love, like, I think he honors that. And the more we do that, I think the more um, refined and fine-tuned we will be in hearing that. That's great. Thanks. Well, you have to hold on to it for a second. So, all right. Well, thank you, Lauren, for being willing to, to step up here and to, yes. And we'll, I mean, think, we'll thank the Jesus, Academy right? here later. And um, so, kids, we wanted you to listen. I think I, part of the reason, again, we want the children in here is because we want them to see that there's, it's not just the pastors that get up here and talk about these things, that these stories are going on all among us. And so I hope that's encouraging um, to you. So if you are a child up through grade six and you would like, you can go back through those doors to Faith Kids. All right, well, as we go into the message today, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you are sovereign and you are good and you are God and you love us and you are here with us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would, you would convict our hearts, teach us your truth. Let us hear your voice and not turn away from it, but to lean in and to receive all that you have for us today and let us receiving these gifts today be and also turned back into worship and praise of you. Help us to be faithful, God. Help me to be faithful in my speaking here and let us be faithful in our hearing so that you would be glorified. We love you. We need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we just go into... Uh, kind of continuing the series, we're right basically at the halfway point, um, and I, I definitely need to let you know, uh, Robbie was very clear, he said, make sure you tell people in the journal for this week, if you have that journal, um, in, in the journal for this week there is a typo, it says um, Ephesians 2.9, it should be Ephesians 2.10, he is mortified, and so mortified that he didn't show up today. So I don't know, um, I'm not sure why. No, Robbie is actually at seminary right now, and um, he's out there. They're going to be gone for a couple weeks as he's continuing his seminary um, education, and so that's where he is. But yeah, make sure that you make a note. It is Ephesians 2.10, not Ephesians 2.9. And as we've gone through um, this series, it's been very intentional how we have laid this out. So we started talking about how we belong to God, that God, how he rescues us as he he creates us but then he he as we are rebels and we fall away from him we choose to be our own gods we decide that we don't need him in his grace and in his mercy he reaches down and he rescues us and that we uh, when he rescues us through Jesus Christ through our faith in Christ um, he says you're mine and we belong to him and then we talked about that we need to be with him, that we need to listen to his voice, that his voice and that the Holy Spirit's voice should be the thing that we are listening for more than anything, more than what we're filling ourselves up with on, on news stations or social media or whatever's going on, that we need to make sure that that's the voice that we are training our ears to hear, that, that hearing him through his word and hearing him through prayer and responding, then we talked about responding to that voice and, and that through that we become like him. And then all of that is pointing to this idea that we are then created for this mission, for this purpose. Not only are we given this identity, but we are given this mission and this purpose. And we talked about how we are citizens of this kingdom. And that God sets us on a hill to let his light shine through us to the ends of the earth. And that light is, is that we would live in him. And when, the, when we're placed in the world, that that life would look differently from the world. And that, that's why Paul calls us uh, that we are ambassadors of Christ. That we, are, that we are representing him living in his power and in his authority. That Jesus, our king, that he tells us what the kingdom of God is like. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Is, so Jesus tells us what the kingdom of God is like. And then he demonstrates in action what he means by that. You see this all the time. God tells us something, but if we're not careful, we, we will define those things however we want to define them. When we just look at things, like we've said this a million times, this example of when Scripture says God is love, and how we then define like, oh, I know what love means, and now what I have done is created a God who is in my image, a God of my own making. And then that leads us down all kinds of destructive paths. But what we want to do is let Jesus define what he means when he says these things. 
And so if we're going to be citizens of a kingdom, then we have to know how that kingdom functions. And Jesus tells us, and then he demonstrates it. And that then is our pattern. That's what he hands off to us, that we would proclaim this kingdom of God and demonstrate it through our lives. So what I want to do here is just look at how Jesus talks about the kingdom. And we we need to remember that, that we function the way that Jesus does. His methods are our methods. His values are our values. His demeanor is our demeanor. Yes, we are different people. We are wired differently, like Lauren said. It will come out in different ways, in different actions. But as, as a whole, we know that you will not honor Jesus by, by going about things in a different way. Thinking that, that well, I have a more efficient way. I have a better way. No, the reality is that he is the way. He is our king. And this is how he says his kingdom functions. First thing he says about his kingdom that I want to point out, or one of the things he says, is this idea that the kingdom functions from small to big. It says in Matthew 13, Put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. This idea that the kingdom of God functions from small to big. Small becomes big. It is subversive. Like, look, I, we talked about this here in, in the testimony. I'm, I'm a big, excuse me, I'm a big picture person, right, with big voice cracks, right? I'm a big picture person. I like big things. I like big movements. I like to see, like, a lot of energy and movement and all of that. But, but the thing is that after years of doing this, and being involved and trying to listen from God and to, to hear him and to do what he is calling me to do. The biggest things I can point to in my ministry have been small things. The consistent things. The big stories always start with small steps. I'm looking around the room and I see a lot of really big stories that started with very small steps. Being available. Hanging in there being willing to listen. The biggest stories that I can point to in my ministry life did not start with a sermon or with a conference or a retreat. They started with something small that grew and grew and grew. I can do like this is not a license for complacency or laziness. It's it's to combat that idea that so many of us have that like well someday I'll do something big for God. Someday, like when I, when I learn enough about the faith, then I'll go and, and share it with others. Someday, when I, when I become really established financially, then I'll start giving money away. Maybe, maybe one day, like when I'm established in my family rhythms, I'll start inviting people over and being hospitable. One day, when, like I, when everything around me is, is smooth, then I'll volunteer, then I'll serve, then I'll give of my time. Listen, the, the kingdom doesn't function that way. The kingdom takes small acts of obedience right now and grows them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the world doesn't function that way. The world likes big things. But Jesus serves humbly and he shows us some of the things that he means in this. In Matthew 20, it says, Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We really don't understand this. Like our world can't understand this. The only way we know on this earth of how to get things done is to take control and work through worldly power and worldly big things, big positions, big status, big influence. That's how you get things done. But it's not in the kingdom. And Jesus demonstrates this. 
mean, think about all, there's so many things I could point to that Jesus had no place to lay his head. He's from Nazareth, which would be like here saying that he's from Chicago. Just why would anybody want to live there? What could come out of there? He said that Isaiah prophesying about him said he was nothing really to look at. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. If you saw Jesus walking down the road from a worldly perspective, you would say, that's a homeless wanderer. What's the big deal? And then, to double down on that, he surrounds himself with common, uneducated men. Paul, in what seems like kind of a backhanded compliment, says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Would you want to be described that way? Can you imagine listening to that and being like, Well, hey, I mean, like, I'm not that bad. Paul's like, Yeah, you're worse. Like, can you believe that? And then how incredible is it that he would work through you? Like, this is how the kingdom functions. Jesus, this is how our king functions. He talks about this. He says, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to come and I'm going to give my life away. And then he says, when he's washing the disciples' feet at the Last Supper, he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. So Jesus is saying, look, if, I, if this is the life that I have chosen, this is how I'm living my life, and this is how I view the world, that I came to serve, not to be served, to become lowly and gentle in heart. Like if, that, if that's what I have been called to do, like you, if you call me teacher and Lord, you're right. I am that. And so if you see me doing that, you should do likewise. That's how the kingdom works. Through faithful people doing faithful things little things. And so our posture should be, God, like, whatever you want. You want me to bring chips to the ballpark? I don't, I don't know how that's going to change the world, but yeah, I'll do it. Whatever you want. Because I know that whatever God asks me to do is part of something big. See, one of the problems we have with this is, like I said, we think that we have to do something big for God for, for him to work something big. And the other problem then that we have is we, we think that the mustard seed is supposed to stay small. So we can fall into this other ditch of just being like, yep, that's why I just go through life. And I, my big thing is I just smile at everybody. That's all I ever do. That's all I ever expect to do. But that's not what's going on. There are big things at play, and we should expect it. Jesus says this about the kingdom. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. And he says something similar in Luke 10. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. See, here's, here's the key to that, like small things becoming big things, is that you believe he's doing big things. Like, I don't do small things because I think I reduce the kingdom of God to just these small things. Like, no, I do these small things in faithful obedience because I want to see God do big things. And he says to them, he said, like, the harvest is plentiful. God is working right now. All of this, if you will have eyes to see, you will see the incredible things that God is setting up and ready to do. We've said this before, but listen, when people talk about sharing their faith, they, they think like, you know, I just, I try, I just don't see a lot of opportunities. I just don't know anybody. Like, everybody I know that I think would come to church has come to church. Like, I don't, and we talk about it in these ways. Listen, if we believe what Jesus says, the problem isn't that there aren't enough people or aren't people who want to know God. The problem is we don't have enough people who will share their life with them, to share his life with them. Think about that. 
I think a real-world illustration of this is our current foster care system. Like, imagine if somebody said to you, like, I, don't, I don't even know, I should have looked up the numbers, how many people, how many children we have in our county without a home. But if somebody said to you, you know, I hear about our orphan care stuff, I think it's awesome, and I am totally ready and available to adopt a child, I just don't know of any that need to be adopted. If you know anything about the system, you would say there's tons of kids. They're all over the place. They desperately need a home. And imagine like saying to that, like, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure that's true in theory. I'm totally willing. I'm totally ready. I'm available anytime. I just don't think there are any. Well, that's what happens in the world. There are a ton of spiritual orphans who want to come home. But God is moving in their hearts and in their lives. And what they need is not a church program. But what they need are Christ followers who will be kingdom people in everyday life and respond to God's voice. And Jesus manifests this by, by going to every situation ready, knowing his father is at work. In, in John 5, we have this account where Jesus goes in and um, he heals a man on, on the Sabbath. And they are looking at him being like, hey, why are you doing that on the Sabbath? And Jesus answers them, my father is working until now, and I am working. And then he says this, like, how does he know the father is working? Like he says that, and everyone freaks out. He's like, my father's working, so like as long as my father's working, I'm working. And they freak out, and then he says this, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. It would be a mistake to assume that the reason why Jesus can see what the Father is doing is because he is fully God. He is fully God. But this is what he offers to us, to see what the Father is doing. That's why he says, lift up your eyes. Don't you see? Don't you see that they are ready for the harvest? I mean, what would it look like if you walked into every room believing that the harvest is plentiful? Believing that God is at work and that if you listen, he will tell you and show you so you can take part in it. Think about that. He will show you what he is doing like right now. I, this changes more than anything, honestly. If we could just wrap our heads around the idea that God is moving, but we get so distracted by so many other things, like, well, God, how could you possibly be moving in this political climate, in this world, among these people? Like, how could that work? Because that's the way he always works. The harvest is plentiful. And he just is saying, I need more people to join in to go and be my people, to listen to me and take part. So you should pray, God, show me what you are doing. Show me where you are working. And then another principle, so, so we have this small becomes big. We have that in the kingdom, the, the harvest is plentiful. God is working constantly around us. And we see Jesus taking part in that and inviting us to take part in that. And then we want to, we see Jesus inviting boldly. He invites people, or he, he proclaims this gospel message and he invites them in. Because the kingdom, another principle of the kingdom is the kingdom is available to everybody. Everybody's invited. And we struggle with this. In fact, Jesus says, he said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or banquet, he's at this banquet, he says, when you give a dinner or banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just." Listen, in the kingdom of God, everyone's invited. Like Lauren said, there's a place at the table. Everybody's invited. 
Everyone, the poor, the marginalized, the socially awkward, the politically foolish, everyone. And we get, it's an affront to the gospel and the name of Jesus when we put our personal sinful feelings for a person or who they are or what they believe or what their family is like or what their background is or who they associate with ahead of the fact that God may be bringing them into your family. Everyone's invited. But there's another important principle at play here that is addressed in this parable, and that is the ones that you think are most likely to come won't. And the ones you least expect will. And again, I don't know about you, but I have found over and over we don't believe it. We say things like, oh, they're so close. Like they have these values, these principles. They just, like, just need that Jesus thing and they're good. Where do you see that in the New Testament? Where do you see the people who look like they're the closest to God being the ones most willing to hear Jesus and recognize him? Nowhere. It's the people you least expect. That we would have eyes to see. It goes on in Luke 14. He basically when people hear this about everybody's invited and they say, well, blessed are the people that, that eat, that everyone will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Like, well, of course, everyone will want to come in. And Jesus says, no. And he tells the story of a man who gives a banquet and goes out and invites people. And they all have a bunch of excuses. Yeah, oh, you know, I'll totally get to that. I got to get some things done first. Maybe I'll get, you know what? This is not a good day for me. And we see that all the time in the church. And you know what the church's response usually is to that? Hey, come, come on, come to this banquet. Like, come and be together. Ah, you know what? Thursdays aren't good for me. What's our response? Oh, well, how about Wednesdays? Fridays? Saturdays at nine? What's Jesus' response? Okay. He tells him, go invite others. Forget it. Go and tell everybody else. Invite everybody. Invite everybody and keep inviting, keep going. And he invites them and he goes out and he tells this parable and they go out and they invite all the poor and the lame, the crippled. They bring them in and they come to the master and they say, there's still room. And he says, keep going. Go out further. Out in the highways. Keep going. To the ends of the earth. Invite them all. And he says, for I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Listen, we get in trouble when we get zeroed in. Lauren mentioned that about getting zeroed in on somebody. It's not going to be who you think. I mentioned before how we were really active in a coffee shop in Colorado and where we saw a lot of people come to Christ. But early on in that time, I was doing this. I was just praying, God, like, show me what you're doing. I want to see I want to see what you're doing. Like, I, I, I can't do any of this. We'd, been like, we'd actually been there, I think, for like three or four years at this point, and, and we'd seen some fruit, but I just like, I want to see more, and I, I just, I'm done strategizing. Like, you just show me what you're doing, and I will jump on board. And so I go into that coffee shop, and I believe God is showing me and saying, like, I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm working on this person. I'm going to save this person. Jump in. And so I did. Like, I locked in. And I'm like, I'm going to share the gospel with this person every day. And I kept doing it. I kept sharing the gospel, telling them about the kingdom, talking about this. They just didn't seem receptive. And I'm like, did I, God, did I hear from you wrong? Like, what's going on? And like, while I'm fixated on this person, uh, like I'm telling this. And at one point I, I'm talking and saying like, hey, come with us. I want to, I want to share with you this Jesus. And them just kind of looking at me like, I, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm good. There's a girl standing right here that I never noticed. And she says, can I come? And I was like, what? And my first thought is, no, it's not about you. It's about this person. And how dumb does that sound? She's literally saying, can, can I come? And I look, and I was like, uh, well, I guess, yeah. Like, even when you think, like, you're zeroed in, and you think this is what God is doing, like, okay, God, I got you figured out. This is what you're doing. I'm all in. I'm going for it. I mean, still not know. And that person came, and she came to faith in Christ. 
She started having these crazy stories about God meeting her. She started sharing the gospel with everybody on the, on the, at the bus stop, on the bus, in a coffee shop, whatever. She sat with, like, one of my favorite things as she was just on fire because she just was hearing the voice of God and responding to it. We're sitting a, she was sitting in a coffee shop with a girl that was discipling her that I, like, connected her with. I said, she's going she's gonna to show you how to follow Jesus. And so they're sitting in a coffee shop, and, and she asks the, her discipler, like, you know, her, like, says, hey, well, what does this mean? I'm confused about this in scripture. And, and um, our friend said, you know, I, I don't actually know. Like, I'll, I'll, let me get back to you on that. I'm not sure. And, and this girl said, she goes, well, why don't we just pray? Maybe God will just tell us. And the person who's discipling is like, well, that's not how that works. So they pray. God, would you show me what this means? I don't know what this means. And a guy walks by, and he stops, and he says, oh, you're, you guys are reading the Bible. Because in Denver, it's kind of weird. People reading the Bible. He's like, you're reading the Bible. Um, I'm a pastor over here. What church do you guys go to? And they talked about our church or whatever. And they said, hey, we have a question. And he gave them, like, he was able to explain the scriptures to them. And what was so great was Jess, who was, had been following Jesus for a long time, and was the one who was teaching her, was just in total amazement. Like, can you believe that just happened? And Lene sits there, and she's like, of course it happened. What'd you expect? Listen, so many of us have gotten into this place that we think it's strange when God moves like that. It's amazing but it's not strange. It's what he does. And so when you're ready and you say, I'm just going to invite everybody. I'm going to be aware. I'm going to listen. Like, I'm going to listen to his voice. I'm going to hear him. And then I'm going to proclaim because the gospel, the good news of the coming of kingdom, like the Jesus, Jesus then responds to this idea that God is working or inviting anybody and everybody. He's proclaiming the kingdom all the time because you don't know what he's doing or where he's working. He repents. He tells them, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He can't help but talk about the Father all the time. And that's what marked a lot of the new believers that we saw and new believers we see here. They just can't help it. They just want to talk about him all the time. Like if we believe that God is working all the time, he's inviting everybody all the time, and that we get to be a part of it, like this is exciting stuff and we talk about it all the time, but we don't. Like we tend to, we talk about what is most valuable to us. And so I'd ask you, like what do you proclaim consistently? What do you talk about most? Where does your mind go when you're trying to have a conversation with somebody? Who do you most easily talk with and what do you talk about? Like maybe you just find the people that you share a hobby with is like, those are, those are my people. I can always talk to them about that. Or a TV show that you like or a political platform or a business opportunity. What are we consistently proclaiming the good news of? I've been guilty of this, and I've heard other people, like, it's just this thing where you, I, I hear the excitement in people's voices when they talk about this new podcast they found, this new show that they found, this great vacation spot that they found. Because at some point, we've got to just look at one another and go, what are, what are we doing? God has brought his kingdom here. Why would, we, why would our conversations be dominated by anything else? Jesus said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Proclaim it. Tell people what you're doing. Tell people what's happening. The people that God is working in will hear that and they will come alive. If we communicate that and tell people, that's why we give you like this gospel narrative of creation, rebellion, redemption, renewal, glory. We're trying to give you a framework to help you understand like how do I communicate the story? But it's ultimately about talking about Jesus and his kingdom. Talking about how he is near, it is at hand. Talking about the renewal of the Holy Spirit, the hope of glory. And this message of words is designed to go with actions. It's designed to go with power. 
Look at what Jesus says when he tells people, laborers, he's sending out the 72, and he tells them the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Like, go pray earnestly that God would send out more laborers for the harvest. And then he tells them when they go, he says, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Like, as you go as kingdom people, serving people, meeting people in their suffering, relieving their suffering, grieving with people, praying for healing, praying that God would do miraculous things, as you're doing that, you go and you proclaim the kingdom of God all the way. You tell people the kingdom of God is at hand. He's manifested in his people, showing them how valuable it is. So think about that. If everyone is invited, I'm supposed to proclaim to everyone, who have I kind of dismissed as being like, well, they're not interested. They're not close. And then go and proclaim. Live among them and proclaim wherever he's placed you. Another one I want to quickly point out is that the kingdom of God, not only does it go small to big, everyone is invited. The kingdom of God is worth everything. The kingdom of God is worth everything. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. If you are with me so far, and if you believe that God has come near, and he's brought his kingdom, and he has made you a part of it, and he's just put you on a city, as a city on a hill to display his glory, and to be able to invite anybody, and to proclaim his goodness, and to see him do incredible works, like, well, then no wonder it's worth everything. So often we paint a picture of following Jesus as, okay, well, it's about, I give up my Sunday mornings, I go to church, I do the right thing, I hang in there. And people hear that and they say, that's, that's not worth everything. But I mean, you imagine as the disciples see God bringing people, adding to their number daily and seeing all these miracles. And then they say like, hey, remember he said that the kingdom of heaven is a treasure in a field? Like this is worth everything. Laying hold of the kingdom of God is the greatest treasure. It's worth giving up anything and everything here on earth in this time to receive. And we see this play out in the life of Jesus in how he invites people to follow him. Let me explain what I mean. He, he invites people boldly. Listen, just like we were talking about, like, what do we proclaim and what do we get really excited about? The way we invite someone to something tells them how valuable the invitation is. Have you ever invited somebody to like, hey, I got to go do this thing. Like, if you're not doing anything, you can come along. Like, what does that make you think about the thing that they're going to? Not a lot, right? Like, hey, you know, I'm going, I'm just, I'm going to this concert. Like, I, whatever. Like, if you don't have anything going on at all and you just, you want to go along, you're not going to sit there and be like, that must be the most amazing concert ever. I have to go ridiculous. That's very different than the invitation where somebody says, you have to come. You gotta make, you gotta do whatever you can. Like, whatever has to happen, like, you've gotta make it. You gotta be here. I, I hate costume parties. I, I just hate anybody with me. Who's with me? Thank you. The rest of you are so weird. Why? Would you like just, I hate them. And only time I dress up in a costume is when, is when my wife makes me, genuinely. And when she says, you're, you're going to do it. And I say, okay. When we were back in Colorado, there was a party, like there was a person, the family and the, and the community that had, threw a Halloween party because it went over with her birthday. And everybody said like, this is the greatest party. And, and I was like, well, what does that even mean? And everybody said, no, you got to go. Like, if you ever have a chance to go, like, they only invite certain, like, invite, they have a closed list of people, but, like, if you go, and, and, like, but everyone was so excited about it. We got an invitation, and I was like, no. And Lauren said, but everybody says it's incredible. We got to, we got to go. And so I begrudgingly agreed. And I went, and I saw why everybody said that. 
Like her husband was an artist and a sculptor. And so like the whole house was transformed and it was just like this incredible thing. Everybody like decked out in costumes. It was like full blown stuff. And I, I was in there and just kind of seeing everything that was going on. And I thought like, oh, okay, well now, now I get it. But if people would have said like, eh, and if you got nothing better to do, but the reason you say that, the reason somebody would say, man, you have to come to this party is because they knew how valuable it was. They knew how incredible it was. And that's how Jesus talks about the kingdom. He's not going to convince anybody because he knows how amazing it is. And he just says things like, follow me. Over a dozen times in the gospels, he just says, follow me. Come on. Jesus doesn't apologize. He doesn't say, hey, I know you're really busy. Like, you know, if you're not ready yet, like, just let me know. I'll come back and check in another day. You know, hey, if right now is not good, I can sit around and wait for a couple of hours. He says over and over, come, follow me. He says things like the person who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. He says the person who's not willing to lose his family is not fit for the kingdom. It's not because he hates those things. It's because he knows the kingdom is worth it. If you're experiencing the kingdom as this treasure, then you will invite boldly, unapologetically, passionately. Listen to how Paul invites in 1 Corinthians 11. Short invitation, but look at the boldness of it. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Talk about bold. But if you believe that the kingdom of God is a treasure hidden in a field, then it will show in your life, and you'll be able to say that. The reason why a lot of us look at that passage and say, well, I can't say that, is because we aren't living as though the kingdom is a treasure. Our words don't match our lives. And so if we invite someone to follow along, we say, hey, knowing Jesus is the greatest treasure in the world, and then they follow you around for a day, and they're like, well, where is it? And we're embarrassed of that and we're confused and we're, we're scared of that. But if we are valuing the kingdom, then we can say, Boy, like, be, come on, follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ. And share your whole life. Like, come along with me. It's not just about church. Like, we share our whole lives. We talked about that before, how Paul says that, that being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. What you're doing is you're inviting them into your life with Christ. Not to a program so it can change them, not to a service so they can hear a sermon that will change them, but into your life so that God would change them through you. Like if we believe what Jesus says about the kingdom, then our, king, our lives will look like this and we can invite them in. And that is the, the last principle of the kingdom that we need to know is that it, it is your whole life because the kingdom of God is everywhere. It's everywhere. Jesus tells them, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And the reason is because the king is here. The kingdom of God is anywhere Jesus reigns, and he reigns. If he reigns in your life, then he reigns. And everywhere you are, because of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God is at hand. It is near. That's what we talk about when we say we're ambassadors for Christ. The kingdom rules over every area of your life. Watch how Jesus does this. He doesn't wait for the synagogues to teach. We don't have an, an account of him walking along and someone asks a question and him saying, hey, great question. I'm going to address that next week. Show up at this place under this tree and I will tell you all about that. It's because it's everywhere. Every part of his life exists for the kingdom. He's always proclaiming the kingdom of God. He does it everywhere. He does it while he's walking along the road, while he's eating, while he's reclining at the table, always. And that is what our lives are to look like. It's everything. And here's good news about it. It's not just church stuff. It's everything. Like it's, it's the errands that you run, right? Like it's the meals you eat. It's the, where you, what you do at your workplace. It's all these things. You hear us talk about this all the time. But here's the good news about that is it's not about adding more things to your life. It's not about like, oh my goodness, okay, well, I had all this other stuff. I got all this other stuff to do today, and now you're telling me I got to go out and proclaim the kingdom of God. 
you're already doing all the things that he's called you to do. Just respond to him in those places. There's a huge key. Everything you do. When you see that there's no such separation between secular and sacred, that every space is sacred because the Holy Spirit is there in you. God is working everywhere. I had a friend that used to say, look, you you eat 21 meals a week, give or take. Right? So just use one of those and invite people over. So what they would always encourage people to do is just like, just make a list of people that you're like, you know what, I want to share a meal with these people. And so at four o'clock on these days, like when when you're saying like, you know what, this is the day, just pick one day in a month, 21 meals a week times four four weeks and three days or whatever. You do the math on how much that is. That's like almost 90 meals in a month. Just take one of them and say, this meal, I'm making extra food. And here's a list of people we have prayed about that we're going to invite over. I'm just going to start at the list. At 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm just going to start calling people down this list. Watch what happens. Ask God to say, like, God, show me who you want to bring here today. And you're going to hit somebody on that list who is going to be panicking at that moment about what they're going to do for dinner because they have no idea. And they're going to get a phone call from you saying, hey, I'm making extra food tonight. Why don't you come over for dinner? And they're going to come. You're already doing it. Just say, okay, God, use it. You already have errands to run. Take somebody with you so you can talk about the kingdom along the way. You already go to the basement baseball tournament. Bring chips. We had a family that we sent out on baseball tournaments and turned them out as missionaries. They started serving the families at their baseball tournament. Instead of seeing it as this separate thing, they started realizing, you know, God, your kingdom is at hand here. So I realized that this is a lot and I knew that like just kind of throwing these things out. But here's my hope. My hope is that something in this resonated and clicked with you and you heard from the Lord and you said that I, I need, I need to obey that. If that's the case, I, I just want you to hear the words of Jesus and he says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Church, we need to remember that the rock that he's talking about is not our doctrine. It's not. It's not what you believe about God. It is your faithful obedience to what he says. Look what he says. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You can say you believe in the kingdom of God and that it is like a mustard seed, but are you willing to serve in even the smallest, most humble ways? You can say you believe that the harvest is plentiful, but do you walk into every room believing that God is doing something and that he will show you? You can say you believe that everyone is invited, but do you proclaim the kingdom of God consistently? You can say you believe that the kingdom is a treasure hidden in a field, but does your life demonstrate that to the point where you can invite people into it unapologetically and boldly? You can say you believe that the kingdom of God is everywhere and that it is at hand. But do you see every area of your life as the platform to proclaim the good news of the kingdom and invite others in? Like, what could be better than that? That's what I want to see here. And we're just going to keep preaching and proclaiming it. And I will tell you this right now. If there's like 30 of you left who say, yes, I want to see that, then let's go. I'll take it. We will go and we'll just say, okay, God, show me. 
And we'll go serve and love and do all the things that this church has been doing for decades and saying like, okay, we want to see more. And I want to start proclaiming it. I want to start hearing more of these stories. God, I want to see you doing miracles, transforming lives. I want to see people living generously and loving people fearlessly and coming back here with those stories. So we have more of these and us singing all the louder and worshiping him and being in awe because of what God is doing among us. If you want that, then hang in there and let's keep going. And if you want that, then start today with small, faithful obedience. You will not lay hold of the kingdom of God by hedging your bets or looking back or pursuing other things or by submitting yourself to your interpretation of what he has said and done. You will only lay hold of it by seeking his kingdom first, by hearing his voice, by trusting him, by seeing him, by following him, by reorienting your whole life around the kingdom. It is worth it. It is better than anything else that the world has to offer. Follow him and see. Let's pray. Father, you take broken words and you make them beautiful because it's what you do. You move and stir in people's hearts. And God, right now I pray that the hearts that are stirred in here right now, that you would just fan that flame and that they would go in faithful obedience, that they would look around, they would remember the work you've done in them, that they would remember the things that you have done in their lives, that it would stir in them, Lord, Holy Spirit, stir in them memories of how you have been faithful and powerful over the years and just cultivate in us a desire to see more. A desire to push out and to hear more from you and to follow you fearlessly. God, we, here we are. Send us. Send us into the world. Send us into the world to proclaim the good news of the coming of the kingdom. Help us to fearlessly and boldly invite people into it. Say, come and experience this with me. God, we want to see you work. We want to see you work so we would glorify your name and that we would take part in it and that our joy would be full. God, thank you for using us. Thank you for letting us, inviting us in to be a part of it. I don't know why, God, you choose to work through us, but you do, and we get to receive these incredible gifts. Help us to see Help us to love. Help us to obey. In Jesus' name.